All right, we're doing a series we're kicking off for Core Christmas for the next three weeks called Expectation. Expectation. What is it that you are expecting in your life? You know, we're wrapping up 2019. I know for so many of us, we have some things where you're like, nailed it. And then there's some things where you're like, mm, nailed me. Like, it got me. And now you're getting ready for 2020. Isn't it crazy? It's like, it's not a new year. It's a new decade. You're like, where did the last decade go? Well, we're moving into 2020. As you move into that new year, you've got to be thinking too, like, we all have these expectations of what we're hoping for and what we're believing for. And the truth is, as many times you're like, is it just a pipe dream? Is it just, am I just kind of hoping? Is it ever going to happen for me? And I think, and hope and pray you're going to get some encouragement today. Matthew chapter 1 is where we want to be. So if you would remain standing while we read some scripture. Matthew chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible, download the YouVersion app. And on that app, look for Core Church because uh, and you go under events and you'll find all the scriptures from today, also events and different things that we're doing, what's happening in the life of our church, and there's a way you can give there, all kinds of different things that will help you out there. Today, though, I, w- I want to talk about a dad. Dads don't get enough credibility and recognition. Can I get an amen from the dads in the house? Eric, do not look at your wife when you say that. That's not... That ain't going to end well for you, brother. That ain't going to end well. Man, he just looked at her and went, amen. Y'all be listening today. Preacher's about to say, all right, I'll move over here because I don't want to feel Delina's fire on that one. All right. So anyway, this side of the room. Now, uh, so I want to talk about, I'll talk about a dad, Joseph. He just doesn't get, I mean, he kind of gets overshadowed in this whole story, but he played a pretty significant role here in the story of Christ. And it just feels like, feels like to me, many times dads, we just, we play a pretty big role, but we don't get a whole lot of credit. Like I was, I was watching the Big 12 championship game and uh, they focused in on, on Jalen Hurts' mom and dad. And they were there, they were in the stands. I was like, man, that is so awesome. And, and the commentators, all they, did is they, they, all they did is they talked about his mom, how amazing his mom was and everything his mom has done for him. And mom is, I'm like, well, what about dad? Well, he, he's the one who's throwing the ball. He's the one who's going to the practices. He's the one who's pumping up his kid. He's the one who's telling him, you can't do it. We just don't get it. So we're going to get some back today. Amen. Here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. So if you are brand new to church, or you're new to the scriptures, and you're like, guess what? This is how it all went down. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, He didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, when you hear this, especially if you're new to church, you're like, that that doesn't make any sense to me, because in today's culture, you can get pregnant outside of being married and wedlock and just live together or don't live together, and and nobody nobody even thinks about it. It's like, well, okay. I mean, it's, it's not even a blip on our radar. Not so in this culture huge, huge badge of shame. 
I mean, the ramifications from this, the, the, the struggle that was before them was incredible. In fact, the word engagement is a poor translation of the word. Actually, the word is more like divorced. But we don't put the word divorce in here because it wouldn't make sense to us in our context, so they use the word engagement. But, but when you got engaged because of all the things that they went through to make the engagement happen, you were pretty much married. And then the only way to undo it was to like have a divorce. So this is a massive deal. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I love the bookend of this. Starts by saying, okay, so this is how Jesus came on the scene. And here's how he's going to leave the scene. All about the salvation of your soul and my soul. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this, this moment to gather. What a privilege it is for us to be together. Church, I want you to first just pray for your own soul, your mind, and your heart. Just to be open. Just, God, help me to be open to you today. He's not just trying to speak to the person that you came with or the person that you wish was here. He has a message for you today. And then let's pray for one another. I believe in the power of praying for one another. So pray for the people on your left and your right and in front of you, behind you, and just ask that God would overwhelm them with the power of his spirit. You don't know what they're facing. You don't know what their struggle is. You don't know how far some of them might feel from God today. And today, your prayers, the Holy Spirit can minister to them even when they're unable to pray themselves. And then pray for me. Just pray that I, I would listen intently to what the Spirit of God is trying to get said today so we could all leave refreshed and renewed in Jesus' name. And if you're ready, give me a big amen. amen. Okay, you can be seated. So have you ever made plans for uh, something special and then it um, not go so special? Like you, you have it in your mind and this is how it's going to go and it just doesn't go that way. So years ago, back in the day, waterbeds were the jam. I mean, they were the thing. In fact, that word jam was the jam back in the day. I don't even know why I used that word. Wow. Uh, where did that come from? Anyway, back in the day, waterbeds, man, were, were really, really cool. I mean, not, not so today. I mean, today, if you got a waterbed, you're kind of creepy. You know, it's like... They have a waterbed, we're not going to their house. We're not going over there. That's weird. And so I'm, I'm sorry if you have a waterbed. You're not creepy. I'm talking about other people, okay? You are not. Uh, but it's just back in the day, when you, if you had a waterbed, they were cool. In fact, I remember hearing about somebody's dad or mom. They got one, and I was like, wow. They're like the elite and the rich, and how do you get one of those? And it was just the coolest thing ever. And just they're not today. And, and you can still buy them, though. Did you know this? You can actually buy them. Walmart still sells waterbeds. Of course, where else would they be sold but Walmart? And, and if you don't want to buy one, just make one. Just get a giant Ziploc bag, hook a garden hose up to it, instant waterbed. There you go. 
But so back in the day, they were kind of cool. And when Laura and I first got married, they were kind of on their way out, but they were still kind of cool. Some people had them. And so when we got married on our honeymoon, I thought it would be cool for us to have a waterbed. Now, hang on, because I know some of y'all are looking at me like, oh my goodness, where's this story going? What is this? I brought friends and family with me. My mother-in-law's here with me. This is disturbing. He always does this on Sundays like this. It's going to be very PG, okay? So it's okay. Just relax, relax. But because I, I, I thought, because I'm just going to impress her, because that's what the, the, it was kind of the elite kind of thing to have. And so we, uh, we went to Branson for our honeymoon because we were broke. So that's where we went, you know. <laughs> Nothing says romance like the Presley Mountain Music Jamboree. Bonk, 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 bonk. You know? <laughs> hey, honey, let's go to the Bald Knobber Show. <laughs> anyway, so we went to Branson. And it was just downhill from there for the next 35 years. So I, we got there, though, and I was like, all right, so I got to find a place that's got a waterbed. And, and I'm not telling her because I want it to be a secret. And I find this motel, which should have been my first clue. <laughs> not hotel, <laughs> motel, okay? So I, I, I finally got one, and I get the room, and we get into the room, and we're in the room, and she's getting the suitcase and kind of unloading it. And, and I, I sit down on the waterbed really slow so it doesn't go, you know, like this. And I said, hey, come here. Come here, sit down. And she's like, what? I'm like, come here, just sit down. And she's like, why? And I go, just, just come here for a minute and sit down. So she comes over, and she sits down. And, of course, it goes like this. And she's like, jumps up, and she says, is that a waterbed? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she said, I am not sleeping in that. To which I said, neither am I. So (laughs) bring it home. Bring it back, people. Bring it back. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, yeah. So, So she's looking at me like, she's like, I am not sleeping in that. And I'm like, why not? And she said, because I get motion sickness. Oh, we proceeded to have one of the worst fights we have ever had. A top five fight in our 35 years of marriage happened on our honeymoon. I, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I won the fight, uh, which, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I humbled myself, went down to the front desk and said, can we have another room? And the guy at the front desk like, um, no, we're booked up. So I make it back to the room, and I'm like, hey, the room is, there's no other rooms, and we're kind of stuck here. And so we slept on the floor. And when I say we slept on the floor, we, we honeymoon, oh, we slept on the floor. Sometimes you, you, you make what you think is the perfect plan, and, and you got it all laid out, and it doesn't go according to plan. This can happen with the little things in life, but it can also happen with the big things in life. We all have hopes and we have dreams of of things that we believe God wants us to do in our lives. For some of you, it might be to get married, to find him or or her and and have a family, and and you just got this vision in your head of of what you're hoping and, and dreaming for in your life. 
For some of you, you God's birthed in you this dream to maybe start your own business or, or, or to change careers, and, and you, you know this passion inside of you, and God's lit you up with it, and you're like, you step out and you can see it. Like, you can see yourself doing that work. You can see people coming alongside you and helping you. You, you, you see the customers and the clients that you're going to be working with. You see it all. It's so amazing. For some of you, it's like, man, I, I'm going to... I'm going to walk across that stage, and I'm going to get that degree. And you, 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 can, you can see it. We all have these hopes, and we have these dreams, but how many of you know that hopes and dreams don't always go as expected? So what do you do when you're dreaming with expectation, and the unexpected happens? This is where we, we find Joseph in, in this story. Joseph has this dream, and this dream of he's going to have a family, and, and he's going to get married to Mary, and, and they're going to go to this little village, and he's going to have his little carpentry business, and, and they're going to have children and raise them, and then, and then suddenly the unexpected happens. We, we read it in the story in verse 18. It says, before the marriage took place, like before the dream became a reality, before the business even got off the ground, before I walked a, across the stage, like before I, I got married, like before I, I started that minute, like that ministry, I've got the ministry in my mind, and, and God's birthed this in me, I'm going to go out into the city, I'm going to go out into the world, I'm going to make this difference, and God's going to use me before, before that. While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what we have to understand, the context of this, is that at this point, understand, Joseph has no idea, no idea that he's been chosen by God to be uh, the father of the Messiah. He doesn't know any of this, so you can imagine the disappointment that he's feeling in this moment, maybe the, the anger and, and, and the confusion. Remember, this is catastrophic in this era and in this time. This, this doesn't happen. So the embarrassment and the, the anger and the, and the confusion, and he's, he's, he's got to be thinking like, did she, did she cheat on me? And like, who's the father? And I mean, there's, there's no Maury Povich. I mean, it's not like, hey, going to reveal the Messiah's father right after the break. No, that's not, that's not happening. None of that is there. If you're taking notes, as I know you are, because you are way smarter and more intelligent than the 945, that's what I love about this group of people here, I want you to write this down. When you dream with expectation, expect the unexpected. When you dream with expectation, expect the unexpected. Like when we have a dream, and we're dreaming with these expectations, we don't expect the unexpected. We don't expect, uh, like Joseph, we don't expect these, these interruptions. Like, you ever been having, like, you ever had a great dream? Like, you're having this amazing dream, like the flying dream. I, that's my favorite, the flying dream. I haven't had it very, anybody have ever had a dream that you're flying? Anybody? Raise your hand if you, raise your hand if you've had a dream that you're flying. Oh, some of you are like, I've never had that dream. That's the, what's wrong. I need to have that dream. You can't, that's what's frustrating too. You can't just make a dream happen, can you? You go, tonight, I'm going to dream that I'm flying. 
No, you can't make a dream happen any more than you can make a dream happen. But when you, you have these great dreams, and for me, it'd be like the dream of flying. Now, a friend of mine said that would be a nightmare for him because he's had the dream of flying, and when he flies, he flies only as fast as he can walk. <laughs> so he said he's like this, trying to fly faster and he can't fly any faster. I've had the dream where I'm just like swooping down across hillsides and way up in the air and around and then boom, suddenly, I'm standing in a supermarket in my underwear. <laughs> How did I get here? That's the worst dream. You're like, pull the shopping cart up, take the box of cornflakes, put it behind you. Hopefully nobody sees me. You're in your underwear in a supermarket. Of course everybody sees you. How does that happen? One minute you're dreaming one thing, and then boom, you're in something else. When you have a dream, what you have to understand is there will be interruptions to that dream. Every dream comes with interruptions, with challenges, with, with setbacks, with things that don't go the way that you hoped that they would go. And whatever your dream is, you have this dream, and suddenly the person that you thought was going to be the person is not the person. The people you thought were going to come alongside you and help you and, and be your greatest support and work with you suddenly aren't there for you. You, you, you want to get the degree, but you can't even get the acceptance letter. The economy turns or, or there's just struggle and, and things have gone slower than you hope. There's delays. You know, it's this idea like you're flying high one minute and the next you're standing there in your underwear, embarrassed, wondering, how did I get here? This is where Joseph finds himself. And this is... This is why I think so many people have no expectations. They don't dream. And maybe this is you. you. You've stopped dreaming because you don't want to be disappointed. You've had so many disappointments. You're like, I'm not going to dream anymore. I, I'm not going to dream, and so forget it. But, but even that leads to disappointment. Because when you stop dreaming, you, you stop living. And for some of you, you've stopped dreaming and you don't even realize that you've stopped living and you've got to start dreaming again so you can start living again. Come on, turn to somebody, encourage them and say, start dreaming again. Start dreaming again. God has a dream for you. It's not reserved for the elite. It's not reserved for a certain group of people. It's not a, a certain status, or you gotta be this, or you gotta be that. No, 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 no. God says, I have a dream for every person that I created, and God wants you to, to dream again. And for Joseph, what appeared to be his greatest disappointment was really, was really part of God's great plan. Like, what if, what if your, your greatest disappointment, your greatest setback towards your dream, when you think about your dream and you have this great disappointment, what if that great disappointment was actually part of God's great plan? That, that's what Joseph sees here. And God interrupts his plans with, 
with plans that don't really seem to make sense. Has this happened to you? You're dreaming, this is exactly how it's supposed to go, this is the way it's going to happen, this is what I'm going to do, and then suddenly your plans get interrupted and things aren't going the way that you wanted. For, for, come on, we got to cut Joseph and Mary some slack here. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make more sense if, if they, they, they got married and they, they moved to Nazareth and, and they got kind of their feet underneath them, maybe had a couple kids and Joseph got his carpentry business going. I mean, come on, you're going to raise the Messiah, you know, get it all going. And then, and then an angel appears and says, behold, born this day in Bethlehem is a child. You can pick him up on Tuesday. That would be so much easier, but that's not the way it happened. And dreams don't come without a struggle. That's why they call it birthing a dream, because it's hard, because it's difficult. My niece, Sarah, she's in St. Louis, and um, she just gave birth to a beautiful baby girl, Sophia Evelyn, middle name after her grandma who's sitting right over here, got the rights of that name. How awesome is that? Little beautiful Sophia, she's a beautiful little baby girl born at Thanksgiving. The, the month leading up to the, um, to the birth, uh, Sarah and her husband Johnny said, hey, will you please pray because the, the baby is, is breech. And, and um, all I could think in that moment was, wow, we got to pray. And so we started praying and, and praying that God would, would, that baby Sophia would somehow, that she would, she would turn. And, and they got about a week out from the due date and she wasn't turning because I think she's just like, I'm coming out kicking and screaming. I'm going to hit my feet, boom, and I'm going to land, and I'm going to take off running. I think that's the kind of girl she's going to be. You know, and she's, but she would not turn. And I can tell you in that moment, the, the doctor came to her and said, hey, listen, so you're going to have to have a cesarean uh, delivery. And I can tell you in that moment, my niece Sarah didn't go, uh-oh, nah-uh-uh, if I can't have that baby in natural birth, then I'm not going to have that baby. No! She don't care! Come on, ladies, anybody's had, any of you ladies who had a baby, you don't care how you have that baby, just give me the baby. But we got our plan, don't we? And I like my plan interrupted and, and, and dreams, they are often breach. They are not coming the way you plan for them to be delivered. And you're like, well, if I can't have it the way that I made my plan, then I don't want it. Cast that aside. Hold on to the dream that God gave you. Let him handle the plan. Come on, turn to somebody and tell him, let him handle the plan. Let him handle the plan. God has got a great plan. I think what happens to us so often is we hear the, we hear the end of someone's dream, and we don't hear the backstory on that dream. In the Old Testament, there's a story of this guy named Joseph, same same name, different Joseph. And this Joseph, in the book of Genesis, he's 17 years old. He has this dream that he is going to be a great leader one day. And he becomes second in command in Egypt, second in command to the most powerful man in the entire known world at that time. That is crazy. But that's the 
end of the dream, not the backstory on the dream. See, many of you know that story. He's 17, he has a dream, he tells his brothers, what an idiot. You don't tell your brothers. You share your dream with anybody but your brothers. You got sisters, tell them. Don't tell your brothers. Tells his brothers, they get jealous, they throw him in a pit, they want to kill him, they decide not to kill him, we're going to sell him off to slavery, so they sell him as a slave into Egypt, he ends up in Egypt, when he's in Egypt as a slave, he gets accused, falsely accused of rape, gets thrown into prison, spends about a decade in prison, and then finally through a miracle of God and some circumstances, it went his way, finally he went from the pit to the prison to the palace. But we only know the end of people's dreams. And what we got to know is understand that there is a back story to every dream. And so Joseph here, Joseph, he doesn't want to disgrace Mary. So he decides, Scripture tells us that he decides to break the engagement quietly. And who, who can blame him? He's humiliated, if not very angry at this point. And remember, he has no idea. Remember, at this point, no idea that this is God's plan. And I, I think we've all been faced with this, that, that you have a setback and, and, and the plans, they blow up in your face and you wonder, is God in this? I, I'm not sure because the way it's going, you get confused and you're like, oh, maybe God's not in this. And in that moment, you're like, do I give up on my dream or do I press through? What do you do in that moment? For, for Joseph, what I love in this story, and this is who God is, and this is what he will do for you, in the midst of Joseph's doubt and uncertainty, God shows up. This is what God will do in the midst of your uncertainty and your doubt. He will show up with certainty where there is no clarity. Verse 20, he says this, as he, as he considered this, this is Joseph considering to divorce her, to break the engagement, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Come on, fist bump three people around you and say, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to believe. Don't be afraid to trust. Don't be afraid. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to step out there and embrace your dream. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. If you're afraid, you're in really, really good company. One, you're in good company here because all of us have been afraid, okay? All been a little scarred. We've all been scared. And we've all been afraid. We've all had that. And scripture is loaded with people who've been afraid. Moses, one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known. Moses, he's told he's going to lead the children of Israel. He is afraid. Esther, one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known. She was a queen. She's got to go to the king and help secure the freedom and the lives of the Jewish people. But she's afraid. You don't know her story. You don't know Moses' story. You got to go back and, and Google it, find it. And read it. The disciples, they walked with Jesus. They walked with Jesus in the flesh. Scripture tells us that they were afraid. And Joseph here, 
is afraid. Now, here's the thing about fear. Fear can be good. Fear can be good because fear, it warns us of danger. And, and as long as it is rooted, it can be, it, it, fear can be healthy if it is rooted in reality, okay? Because it can save your life. It can, it can get you out of a, a dangerous situation. But so often, our fear is not rooted in reality. Our fear, most of the time, is rooted in assumption of what, what could happen. I was reading a book by Norman Vincent Peale. He was a pastor in the 1950s and 60s, and he told this story in this book about a 1950s uh, tennis star from Great Britain. Her name was Jem Gilbert. And Jem, when she was a little girl, uh, had a really tragic event that took place in her life. She was at the dentist with her mother, and her mother was in the chair, and her mother was so frightened by the fear of the instruments, her mother died in the dentist chair. This, this um, traumatized her so much. Fear gripped her so greatly that she was this, she refused to go to the doctor for the ne- or refused to go to the dentist for the next 30 years. That's how much fear had a grip on her. I am not going to the dentist. Well, you can imagine not going to the dentist for 30 years, what that would do to your teeth. And so her teeth, she had a lot of problems, and eventually got so bad that she had to have a dentist, and the dentist came to her home. And when the dentist came to her home, and he got all of his tools out, she was so traumatized by seeing those, and fear gripped her so greatly that she fell over and died. Fear had gripped her in such a way. Fear can cripple you. Assumption can cripple you. Yeah, but, 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 if, I, but if I do this, then, then, then this might happen. You're right. That might happen. It, it could happen, but, but it's all these assumptions that we, we make, and, and, and what happens is, is fear becomes this barrier to the freedom that God wants you to walk in. So you stay crippled and trapped in fear because you won't break through this barrier here. And on the other side of the barrier is the freedom, the freedom to be all that God has created you to be. The freedom to walk in your giftings. The freedom to say, this is who I am and this is what God has destined for me. God wants us to walk in freedom. Don't let fear keep you from freedom. Don't let fear keep you from freedom. Some of you need to just write that down and let it just sink deep into your soul. I should not be letting fear keep me from freedom and the things that God has for me. It's the enemy that wants to keep you bound up in fear and he you, bound up in all the things that, that God does, uh, God wants for you. He bounds you up over here, or it's just it binds you up over here to keep you from what God wants for you. And what he uses is fear. Fear is his greatest tactic. If he can keep you afraid, if he can keep doubt upon you, if he can keep shame upon you, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have the right pedigree, you don't have the right education, you have the wrong background, and, and you're the, you are the wrong gender, whatever he his lie is that he heaps upon you. He says, I'm going to keep you here captive and I'm going to cripple you with this fear. 
I think it's just Joseph and the voice that must have been going on in Joseph's head in that moment as he was thinking about all of this, like, just, you can't, what are you thinking, Joseph? You can't do this. If you do this, do you know what's going to happen? Do you know what they're going to say about you? Do you know how you're going to be ridiculed? Do you know how embarrassing this is going to be? You, you, you can't pull this off. But it's faith, faith that gives us the courage to break through the barrier of fear and walk in the freedom that God has for us. The writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews 11.1. 1, he says, faith shows us the reality. Faith shows us the reality. In other words, it, faith does not show us, listen, Faith is, it's not the assumption of, 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 of it. It's, it's faith is rooted in reality. Faith is not rooted in assumption. Faith is rooted in reality. Fear is rooted in assumption. But it's the reality. The reality of what? It's the reality of what we hope for. It's, it's the evidence of things we, can, we can't see. In, in other words, faith, it reveals the reality that what I hope for, it's possible with God. That, that's the reality of it. Right now, they have all these gender reveal parties. It's kind of the big rage now. And uh, my, my niece, Sarah, she did that, her and her husband, Johnny. And this is, it's, it's really cool. You, you bake it into a cake or you do balloons or like they shot fireworks off into the sky. And some of you are old enough to remember that gender reveal parties happened at labor and delivery. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Surprise, it's a boy, it's a girl. Now, though, it's just crazy. They have ultrasound, and, and some of you remember the very first ultrasounds where you're like, what is, there's a baby there? What is that? Do I have a potato in my belly? What is that? Is that an alien? Oh, my goodness. And there's, yeah, right there, it's a boy. Hey, you can't tell. Now you can't see it. No, I can't see it because it's in 2D. It looks like you scratched it on an Etch-A-Sketch. And it look like anything. But they've gone from 2D to 3D to 4D to 5D, and now it's all in HD. Like, it's incredible, insane. Today, you're like, oh, my God, that's a baby. That is, that's my baby. How am I able to see my baby when I can't see my baby? Faith is the ultrasound of a dream. Faith is the ultrasound of a dream. It's the Spirit of God giving you eyes to see what you cannot see. That's what faith does. I, I cannot see it, but, but God helps me to see it. And in order to see it, you've got to push back on fear. You've got to make space for God to operate so that you can, you can see the reality of what God has for you and you can hear God speaking into your life because everything you see says, don't do it, it's stupid, it ain't gonna work, you're gonna fail, but you gotta listen. Listen for the voice of God. God speaking to you saying, I know what you see, trust me. Just keep going. But God, I mean, the, the barrier, I know, I know it looks crazy. I know this doesn't make sense, but trust me. And then God, he breathes a vision into you and suddenly you see it. You see the vision. You, 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 you see yourself doing it. No one else around you can see you. How do I see this? Why? Because faith is the ultrasound of a dream. It's, it's God doing 
amazing things within us through faith. I want to invite the worship team to come, and while they're coming, I want us to look at verse 24. It says this, when Joseph woke up, some of you need to wake up. Again, you need to wake up now to what God has for you. He wants to shake you awake so that you can walk in all that he has for you. And I love this. It says, Joseph, when he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Listen, what Joseph was attempting was bigger than himself. He's going to be the father of God. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine how this must have felt, what this must have been like as he thinks about, as, listen, this is a man. He's got a baby in his arms. He's got he's to change a poopy diaper. Can you imagine that moment? He's like, how is this the Messiah? How is this God? He has a poopy diaper. It doesn't make sense. In fact, when I, whenever I talk with some of my friends that are Jewish rabbis and, and uh, of the Jewish faith, and they'll tell me that's the number one reason they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, because God would never poop his diaper. So Joseph is a Jewish, and he's like, this, how can this be? And then he, then he sees Jesus as a three or four-year-old with a snotty nose. I'm wiping the nose of, of God, and... Everybody's like, yeah, sure, he's the Messiah. Yeah, whatever you say, Joe. Yeah, you didn't have anything to do with that, did you, buddy? Yeah, God did that. And you can imagine in his mind, he's like, I know that I heard from an angel. I, 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 Mary, you heard, I heard. And, and as he's raising the, the son of God and he's growing into a teenager, God just whispers, is my son. I promise you. I know, Joe, it doesn't look like it. I know, Mary, it doesn't look like it, but trust me. He's going to grow. And he's going to save you and the world from their sin. And Joseph's like, all right. And he just presses through that barrier of fear into the freedom that God has for him. I just have this idea that Joseph is like somehow he's in heaven now and and he's like, oh, wow. He's looking at God. I, I raised you. And God looks at Joseph and says, friends, Joseph. I know you did. And I know about my sacrifice, but Joe, I want to talk about yours. I know how hard that was. You had to flee to Egypt and run for your lives. And I remember when he was, Jesus was 12 and you were like, I'm not so sure, but you, but you trusted me. And I know how hard that was to watch him die. 
all your hopes and dreams were gone. But I'm proud of you. God has given you a dream. He's birthing a dream in you. He's trusting you with that dream. And what he's saying to you today is don't let fear cripple you. Trust him. Break through that barrier of fear and step into the freedom of all that God has for you. And I promise you this, no matter how it goes in this world, one day you will stand before God and he will look you in the eye and he will say, way to go. I am so proud of you. So proud of you. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the dreams that you birthed in us. Spirit, light a fire in us that we can walk in hope in Jesus' name.